home or, you know, just go away for two minutes and then it won't be ruined. Anybody? No, everybody's seen it at this point. I thought it was a safe bet. All right, so you have not. Do, do I need to give you time to walk away? All right, all right. It'll still be good. <laughs> okay, so if you watch the first Iron Man, we're introduced to Tony Stark before he becomes an Iron Man, and he is definitely probably one of the most arrogant, self-absorbed, narcissistic people. Could call him a womanizer, right? He's not a nice guy. He's funny, super funny, super sarcastic, but he's not a good guy. But if you watch him as the Avenger movies progress, you watch this complete change happening in him. Gets a little nicer, a little bit more selfless. Um, somehow he does not lose any of his ability to be sarcastic, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> but you watch this entire transformation take place up until the point, come end game, where he sacrifices his life for all of humanity to save them. And I was walking and I was thinking about, you know, this message I'm about to go through with you. And this movie popped into my mind and I started thinking about why does that resonate with us so much? Why is there something within us that's drawn to that? And it's because we all want to believe that we can change. We all want to believe that. And, and I think the reason for that is because we, want, we like to watch somebody who we think could never change, be changed, and maybe even what we would call the worst person, be changed because sometimes on our worst day, we might be that worst person that wants to be changed. I just love it when we see these movies that, or read a book or, you know, if you're blessed enough to see it in somebody else to watch that change take place. So this morning, and I'm going to try to fumble through, this laptop is not connected to this because I didn't use Keynote. Lesson for you, they use Mac here. So uh, I use PowerPoint and it doesn't play nice with Keynote. So I'm going to try to fumble through this part. I am going to talk about the transforming power of Jesus. And when I think about this, I, I think it's important that we start with the eternal transformation of Jesus. Jesus transformed humanity's destiny by what he did. He, he came and paid the price that was necessary for us to be able to spend eternity with the holy God. And he did that, I think, well, I, the Bible says that it's to get us back to this image that God created us to be. He created us in his image. God loves people. He loves humans, right? Even the people we don't. And he so desires to walk in relationship with us that he came, he died a sinner's death on the cross, rose on the third day so that we could walk in relationship with him. And I know if you've been in church for a while, this probably sounds like a pretty, you know, fundamental message, but we need to be reminded of this and it should not be oversimplified because it is powerful. And I love that God thought in advance, he foretold through Jeremiah of this plan that he had, right? Um, in Jeremiah 31 and 33, 31, 31, and 33, 
He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And the good news, we could stop there, right? That's really, really good news. But it gets even better. Because he does, it's not just about our eternity, right? This, I think sometimes when I used to think about this, and it, when I thought about eternity, it's like this long, distant, like, it'll happen someday, right? Eternity starts right now. <laughs> it starts right now. And so one of the second ways that, it, it, if you break it up into the three topics that I did, um, one of the second ways is present or personal transformation. And this just really um, is tender to my heart. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I have not switched up there. This is going to happen a lot. My apologies. Um, and one of the things that I want to stress here is because it's a really good verse, but you have to know it's a process. This was very frustrating to me as an early believer because I was like, well, if the old is gone and the new has come, why do I keep doing the same dumb stuff? right? That can become really frustrating, but it is a process. It's called sanctification, very church word. It basically means he is making us, he is turning us into what he originally created us to be. And I, 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 um, I just want to encourage you with that today, that it is a process. Um, I, I'm a very goal-oriented, task-oriented person. I'm like, check it off the list. It's done. I've attained it. And God says, nope, not the way that works. Sorry. <laughs> And we have a model of how to participate with him, um, asking that question, is David. And Psalm 139 is a beautiful outcry of David uh, to the Lord saying, you are, I am not, help me to follow you, (laughs) right? That's essentially what this says. I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. I am surrendered and submitted to you. And I'm going to read through this. So bear with me. I'm going to try to be somewhat animated so you don't fall asleep. It's on the screen. You can read it yourself as well. Um, Maybe it is. Yes. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. 
How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you, your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And really what this is about is David surrendering to God and choosing to submit himself to him and walk with him. And surrender, unfortunately, has really grown to be a negative word, right? And submission, it's like, "Mm -mm -mm, I'm not being conquered in my individualistic mindset. No way, right? Or you've been really hurt in trusting and surrendering. But God is a perfect father, and the, and the way that he created surrender to look is not how the world makes it look. It is this beautiful surrender and submission of a God who knows every thought before you even have it. Who knows every hair on your head and put it there. Even if you don't have that many. So, and he says he's faithful in Philippians 1 6 and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ he promises this that he will bring it to completion and transforming us and my life <laughs> is a testimony to that so I'm going to share a little bit of my personal transformation and I've chosen to tell one story that is quite honestly a little embarrassing and a little vulnerable. <laughs> um, not too embarrassing and vulnerable. Nobody should be uncomfortable, hopefully. But I think it accurately illustrates how much God has changed me. So you may not know this about me, but I was married before. And the relationship was very um, tumultuous, abusive, and was just not good. Drugs were definitely involved, lots of drugs. Um, and he and I were driving around in our car, what we would call a run, to go get more drugs. And I had had enough. I wanted to go home. <laughs> I was like, I want to stop for tonight. Like, I'm done. This is torture. I feel trapped. And we got into an altercation, and I bit his face. Yes, I know. It's somewhat funny, I know, but not really. <laughs> it's, it's very tragic, but it's also like, really? She bit his face? I know. Yes, I did. Um, and, and I really, when I was thinking about that, it's like, I was a wounded animal. I felt trapped. I wanted out. And what does a wounded animal do? They attack. So fast forward a couple hours later, we're fighting again, and I start threatening to commit suicide. And so he calls 911, but hangs up. Don't do that. They will still come to your house. <laughs> so they come, and they were getting ready to arrest me for domestic violence. And my ex-husband became very unruly and was upset and did not want them to take me to jail. And so they arrested him instead for disorderly conduct. And they took me to the emergency room for a psych eval. So they let me out of the hospital. They take him to jail. I go from the hospital to the jail to see him. 
I'm driving back from the jail to our home. Um, and needless to say, I mean, I'd been up for a couple of days. I was sleep deprived. I'd been on drugs. I was not in the best emotional state. I'm driving a vehicle. Luckily, I didn't kill anybody, right? Like, I'll tell you, so grateful. Nothing like that ever happened to me. But a couple cut me off, a woman and, I, I don't know, a man. I chased them off of the freeway until they pulled over. I got out of my car, walked around, and I pulled a woman out of her car, and I started beating on her. And I think her, um, whoever was with her was so shocked at what was happening that he didn't do anything. <laughs> and so another good citizen uh, came walking up and was like, what is going on? And so I got in my car and I drove away. That takes road rage to a whole new level. And the reason I tell you this is because it so clearly depicts how broken, oh, how broken I was. And Jesus saved me, and he has transformed me, and it has been an ongoing process, and he's still changing me. Trust me, there is a lot to work out, folks. But he's faithful. And I think we need to ask, how do we connect with God? How do we participate with him in this transformation? Right? Because once you make the decision to follow him, he will change you. We think that oftentimes we have to do the work. I remember one of the things I thought about early on was, man, I'm not going to be able to listen to music I want to listen to anymore. <laughs> Such a dumb thing. I was like, I listened to some pretty raunchy music. And I, I remember thinking, man, I don't, I don't want to have to give up that music. And the beautiful thing, I never felt like I was giving up anything. Because he changes you. He does the work. You submit, surrender to him so that he can complete the work. His whole goal is to get you back to the garden. That's his whole purpose is to get us back to the garden to be with God. So I want you to be thinking about a question as I move on. Um, is how do you connect with God? So you should be thinking about that, praying about it. Um, I want to look to how Jesus modeled connecting with the Father. Yes, I'm on the right side. Okay. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So if you don't know how you connect with God yet, this is a good place to start. We should be praying this prayer like every day. And I think some people are kind of hesitant to because it's just become kind of, I heard the word rote. I'm not sure I understand what that really means, but I think it means just kind of like you get numb to it, right? Um, but essentially what it's saying is, God, you come have your way in our life <laughs> here on earth. Give me what I need for today. It's enough. And protect me, right? Forgive me like I forgive those who have transgressed against me. So the other way that Jesus transforms us is through relationships and transforming us through one another. So who here has had the gift or privilege of watching someone be changed by Jesus? Man, that makes my heart so happy. That makes my heart so happy. 
it is a gift. It's easy when you're a first believer to be like, you need all that milk, right? You're like, I need, I need, I need, I need. And then you get to this place in your spiritual maturity where you get to see it in someone else. And you're like, oh, man. Or better yet, give away what God has given you. Because he doesn't give you anything to keep. Everything's his. (laughs) Um, But the reason this is possible is because of the Holy Spirit living in us. And one of the interesting things that I thought about as I was preparing this is he comes to live in us because we become the temple. And that word temple is kind of lost on us a little bit, I think, in America, because we have temples everywhere, especially in Utah, right? I mean, really, that wasn't a jab. It just, it, it just is, right? They're everywhere. And if you, I grew up in Utah, so temples are everywhere. And, um, but you have to understand what the temple was then to fully understand the magnitude of the Holy Spirit coming to live with you. There was one temple, one, and it was meant or thought or believed it was the place where the holy living God resided. And it wasn't even just like, okay, yeah, he's in there somewhere in this tent thing, right? There were three, sorry, that got really loud. There are three uh, segments to it, three parts. You had the outer part where, you know, you could get there, but you needed a sacrifice. You had the inner part where priests could go, you needed other sacrifices. I know I'm dumbing this down. I do not have a theological degree in anything, okay? And then you had, I see my friend John there who's a, who's a pastor, so I'm like, don't quote me on any of this. Um, and then in the very inner, inner, that's where the Holy Police was. And only the high priest once a year could go, and he had to go through a whole ritual process to get in there. And as I was talking about this with a friend, she reminded me that they would tie bells around his feet in case he had not done it properly or was maybe hiding something, I don't know. And he went in there and was not completely um, cleansed. He would die (laughs) because he could not be, not because God was like, well, smite you. It was his holy presence could not be in the presence of sin. So they would put bells on his feet so that if he died, they could pull his body out because they weren't going in. So to think that God sent his son so that his Holy Spirit could come and live in you, man, I don't, that just completely changes my perspective on it. And a lot of times we think, oh, okay, so if I'm the temple, I can't have tattoos. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. Yeah, I can't have, that would be so sad. I couldn't do that. Oh, coffee is wrong. I am definitely in trouble. So... But I think we have to shift our paradigm a little bit on that. And instead of thinking, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, it should be, I am the temple of the living God. Where I go, I have the ability to bring heaven to other people. That's what it means to be the temple of God. Oh, man. So how do we do this? How do we treat one another, right? Ephesians 4, if you've not read it, please read it. It is a great, um, I don't want to use the word instruction guide, but it has a really good outline for how we should treat one another. And so I just picked a couple of verses that I think really, um, that really spoke to me. So Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, am I on? Yes, okay. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, building yourselves together with, pre, with peace. In Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, this last verse, I think sometimes people will say, well, that means you just don't say bad words, right? <laughs> Maybe sometimes, but not always. That's not the, that's not the intent behind this. Um, it is saying everything that comes out of your mouth should come out with the intent of building up those around you and edifying the situation that you're in while bringing glory to Jesus. That's what it means. We should be conscientious of what we're saying and speaking to people. And not just by keeping our mouth shut. That's what I tend to want to do. I'm fiery, folks. Fiery. But I have to learn to speak with gentleness and humility. We all do. <laughs> all right, so I like practical application. I'm a very practical person. I don't like clutter, things that are not serving a purpose in my home. I throw them away real quick. Daniel has to keep me reined in because I'll just throw stuff away. Um, and I love a sermon at the end when you're given practical application of what do I do with everything she just said, right? First, Find out how God speaks to you. It is different. We are uniquely and wonderfully made. It is different for all of us. And no way is better than another way, right? Some it's in nature. Some it's just through other people. Some it's spending time with him. But the thing that should be consistent is being in his word. Reading his word. Chewing on it. <laughs> digesting it. Letting it seep into you. I ask God, please let it just change my DNA. <laughs> um, and do it every day. Do it every day. You cannot expect to have real value in a relationship if you are not putting time into it every day. You wouldn't expect your spouse to know you very well. Well, that doesn't work that way because Jesus knows you anyway. But you wouldn't know them very well. Let's say it that way. Um, if you didn't spend time with them, if you only spent time with them once a week, right? Every day. And I promise you this, it will not be time um, wasted. He will change you in the quietness of those moments. And then this is so crucial to your walk. We are not meant to do this alone. We are not meant to do this alone. Find someone who is following Jesus, lock arms with them, and walk with them. Someone who will hold you accountable, someone who will speak the truth and love to you, give you grace when you mess up, and then point you back on, the right, on his path. Lock arms with somebody. You have to be doing this with somebody else. We can deceive ourselves. We can justify a lot of things alone. We can, <laughs> trust me, I could talk myself into a lot if I wasn't talking to someone else about it. <laughs> so I try not to talk to myself. So please, please do that. And then finally... Pray, 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 pray. He loves you. I mean, one of the other powerful things that he did when he, um, when he died on that cross is that temple I was talking about, that inner veil, right, that led to the Holy of Holies, it was torn. It was torn saying, this is no longer necessary. I am bridging that gap so that you can come to me at your worst moment when you've completely messed up and you can still come to me and I will hear you. I will hear you, and I will love you. 
My love for you is not this human love that you're used to that has conditions. All human love has conditions, even parents to some degree. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's adorable. She's just feisty. Um, and he will love you anyway. He's the only one that can give, that can feel that gap that's in you. He's the only one who can do it. So pray. Um, let's have the worship team come forward. I should have said that a few minutes ago. My bad. So they're going to um, lead one more song. And um, during that time, if you feel that God's tugging on your heart today and is like, man, I'm coming after you. You're not here by accident. I'm coming after you. And I love you. I love you with an irrevocable love. And I want to be in relationship with you. And you feel that tugging on your heart. I would ask that you come up and get prayer. Can I have the ministry team come forward as well? Have someone pray with you today if that's something that you're wanting to decide. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to um, worship.